for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. And it is a Friday edition of the Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. I am a uh, host on Newsmax. It's a show called Rob Carson's What in the World Runs Weekends right now. And you can also see it on YouTube. And it's a uh, satirical look at uh, the news, pop culture, uh, just funny videos. It's a real, it's a very good show. It's like a conservative uh, daily show. It's like, it's like a, a conservative, well, it's like a, a liberal late night talk show, but funny. Yeah, and conservative. So anyway, if you get a chance to check that out, just go to uh, download the Newsmax app on your phone or go to NewsmaxTV.com for all the information about that. So yesterday, another executive order signed by Joe Biden. Uh, he didn't campaign on this at all. He didn't campaign on gun control. Uh, it was nowhere in his campaign, but he everything he's done essentially so far is nothing he said he was going to do, Okay. He did not say that he was going to uh, open the borders and flood the United States with illegals. He didn't say that, but he did it. But he did it. Uh, President Joe Biden described mass shootings in America as public health crisis and declared no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Now, the only thing about this is that uh, he doesn't think and, and the left doesn't think that, like, for instance, a weekend in Chicago where 37 people are shot and eight people die. Uh, they don't consider that a public health crisis because it doesn't fit their narrative, you see, uh, in a city that has some of the toughest gun control laws. I thought you should know that. He said that he's going to have more actions expected, and this is just a start. He also said, this is kind of interesting, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. And he pointed out the uh, Supreme Court ruling, you, you can't yell uh, fire in a crowded theater as part of a First Amendment. But I'm thinking, and I may be wrong, I'm thinking the no slavery thing is pretty absolute. The 13th Amendment, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's no give on that one. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I did share with you yesterday that uh, uh, teenagers are being enslaved by drug cartels as uh, as payment for getting them across the border. So that sort of slavery, I guess, is okay with Democrats. Here uh, is the president, of course, again, slurring his speech, uh, uh, brain addled, and he announced the new ATF director who was an anti-gun zealot, the just perfect person to be in charge of the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. But anyway, gun control zealot, and he called it the AFT. He called it the AFT several times, didn't even catch it. Here's your president. I'm proud to nominate David Chipman to serve as a director of the AFT. David knows the AFT well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Today, I'm proud to nominate David Chipman to serve as a director of the AFT. Yeah. David knows AFT well. You know, you, you might want to get your uh, get your bureaus correct there before you come out and make an announcement. You know, and, and the guy is, and like most Democrats who go after gun control, are completely uninformed with regard to guns. Yeah, you, you you couldn't tell them if you showed them uh, a pistol with that you could actually put a a stock on it, and they could they would say it's an assault rifle. Okay, they they don't know anything about guns. I'm not saying I do. I mean, I've got a couple, you know, but Democrats they always shoot their mouths off before knowing anything about it. And this became very clear yesterday when the Joe Biden uh, made a statement about going in to uh, buy a gun. You have a background check, but if you go to a gun show, you can uh, buy whatever you want. No background check. Now, Washington Free Beacon firearms expert Steve Gutowski explained that uh, Biden was spouting gun nonsense. Biden just lied about how background checks work. 
He said gun shows are exempt from background check requirements. That is completely false. All that matters in terms of background checks is whether you are buying from a licensed dealer or not. Biden also falsely said gun manufacturers are the only outfit that's exempt from being sued. Biden wants to repeal the uh, Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which only permits lawsuits based on the uh, criminal misuse of their products by third parties. Um, you know, can you sue a car manufacturer if somebody runs over to somebody with a car? You know, uh, but, he, but he was wrong about it. And here he is, actually, this is him making the announcement, which was false. Uh, I don't know if it was a lie or just he doesn't know. I, I'm just assuming he knows nothing about guns. So that's why he said this. Or he had an intern who has never held a gun in his or her life, and they wrote this for him. But here he is, and then Jen Psaki trying to cover his, you know. So many people, so many of the people sitting here today know that well, unfortunately. You know. Actually, this is the announcement, the initial announcement. I will get to the lie in just a second. Uh, they know what it's like when the seconds change your life forever. I've had the pleasure of getting to meet in awful circumstances many of you many of you who've lost your children your husbands your but wife. remember if you're a democrat it only involves certain kind of weapons and only mass shootings intercitting shootings don't matter at all lives you know uh they know what it's like to bury a piece of their soul deep in the earth we understand that mark and uh and jackie i want to tell you uh it's always good to see you, but not under these circumstances. I want to say before I introduce the rest of the folks, is you know, what a lot of people have not been through, what they've been through, don't understand. It takes yeah, yeah, I just, I can't listen to too much of him because I start to nod off. And I'm in the middle of a podcast, so that would not be good. Here is the, here's the lie, and uh, Jin Saki, covering it up. Hot Saki, by the way. These bills, one, require background checks for anyone purchasing a gun at a gun show. Or an online sale. Most people don't know it. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want and no background check. That would be incorrect. And here's Jin Saki trying to uh, cover for him. President said a moment ago, quote, you go to a gun show, yeah. you can buy whatever you want. No background check. Is there a special exemption in federal law that he was referring to, or just do FLA dealers not have to do background checks when they're at a gun show? Are, are you asking me if he was referring? No, it's okay. Yeah. Were you asking me if he was referring to like a specific circumstance? Or I'm sorry, just tell me a little bit more about yeah. your question. See, this is that's a stall, okay? Because she's she's trying to think about what she's going to say because she's been caught. That was a stall. So can you re restate the question while I think instead of going uh, 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 like that, that's that's a stall. I mean, is it the president's belief that you do not have to undergo a background check when you are at a gun show? No, it's not his belief. He believes that gun. That really? That's that's kind of what he just said. Background check should be universal. Right. He says no background <laughs> check. Well, uh, we know what his position is, right? So let me reiterate uh, that. There you go. That, uh, okay. Gut background checks are something that should be universal. They're supported by more than 80% of the public. He's supported legislation, advocated Yeah, we already that, have them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, advocated against loopholes as well. So that's his position, and I appreciate you asking for the clarification. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable.
Let's talk a little bit about Hunter Biden. This is pretty funny. He's been asked about the laptop. He doesn't. He says he doesn't know if it's his or if he was hacked, which is a lie. It's an untruth. Now, the UK Daily Mail did a brilliant piece. I love the UK Daily Mail. It's my new, it's like the New York Post times 5,000. It's just, it's a glorious, glorious paper. Uh, generally very left-leaning, but sometimes they really nail it. Listen to this. The Daily Mail revealed and hand reveal that there are many secrets that were found in the abandoned laptop, including a cache of 103,000 text messages, 154,000 emails, more than 2,000 photos that were verified by top forensics effort, efforts. It's his, okay? It's his laptop. Hunter left his MacBook Pro laptop at a Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop in April of 2019, never returned. In 2019, Hunter begged his father to run for president to salvage his reputation. Hunter repeatedly dodged police actions against him despite constantly dealing with drug dealers and prostitutes and having multiple run-ins with the law. The president's son was guarded by Secret Service while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Florida despite not being entitled to protection at the time. Can you believe this? Hunter appeared to be obsessed with making adult films with prostitutes, videos and laptops on his laptop show it so you can excuse this as being a drug addicted but he is actually just a really foul awful soulless human being hunter blew hundreds of thousand dollars on prostitute drugs and luxury cars leaving him scrambling to avoid jail for three hundred twenty thousand dollars in unpaid taxes five members of the biden family have been in drug and alcohol re- rehab uh and it's a study admission by joe to his son uh, the other Biden family member planning to buy and cook crack after falling into the his disastrous addiction with Hunter. There was somebody else who was going to cook crack with him in the Biden family. Uh, the whispered bedroom conversation with a prostitute caught on Hunter's webcam in which he confesses he had a previous laptop stolen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So the Daily Mail hired a firm a forensics firm, Merriman and Associates, to analyze the data on the computer, and they found it to be authentic. Brad Merriman is a 29-year FBI veteran, supervisory special agent, blah, 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 and then his partner is Dr. Joseph Greenwald. So they're saying it is authentic. In a presidential debate in October, Joe Biden referred to the leaks of Hunter's emails as a bunch of garbage. In an interview with CBS on Sunday to promote his book, Beautiful Things, Hunter said it could be his. Okay. This is just honestly stunning, and nobody is covering it all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the UK Daily Mail. Listen to this. His son's drug-fueled calamities have resulted in multiple run-ins with law enforcement that would usually result in criminal charges or an investigation. But so far, Hunter has avoided that. There's a picture with uh, Hunter with cracked and badly damaged teeth, known as meth mouth. Uh, There is a hard drive containing hundreds of pictures of naked women and naked selfies, as well as dozens of videos. Wow! He apparently had a, a handle <laughs> on a popular uh, porn site that you could share your own. And he also had pictures of uh, bottles of 100 milligram Viagra pills, the highest dose allowed by doctors. Unbelievable. February 20, 2019 appeared to show Hunter coordinating with a woman called Diana Pagano to transport other women in Ubers to his hotel in New Haven, Connecticut. She was uh, charged with violating her probation by allegedly running a drug ring out of her home in East Haven. This isn't drug addiction. This is just being a really filthy, awful person. 
Oh, yeah. And then he had a gun, and he apparently lied on a background check to obtain the gun, which is a felony. One question on the background check says, are you a lawful user of addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Okay. How many times do people actually go in there and say, oh, yeah, son of a gun, I can't get the gun now. You know, oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> oh, you, you, you know, you, you, no, okay, I'll just leave now because I'm, you know, a crack addict. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Anyway, here is uh, here is Jimmy Kimmel last night, and it was, uh, they're calling it Dumb and Dumber. Jimmy Kimmel uh, last night on the show had Hunter Biden, and of course it was a, it was a softball interview. It should have been an eight-ball interview. That's a cocaine reference. I don't know what, exactly what it is, but I know it's a cocaine reference. Here he is talking to Hunter Biden about the laptop that, you know, he doesn't remember it, and uh, he doesn't know if it's his, but it is. I've seen you on some interviews and, uh, you know, talking about the laptop. This became yeah. this big thing, the laptop. And when they ask you if that was your laptop, you say you don't know, which yeah. is hard to believe unless you read the book. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, I'm surprised you have shoes on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I made it. I made it today. Pants were the problem. Pants were the problem. <laughs> yeah. Pants are always yeah. the problem. Always, you know, that's, that's, that's not funny. It's just when you know about this guy's character, that's not funny. Um, yeah. No, you know, look, I honestly don't know. And the fact of the matter is, it's a red herring. It is absolutely red herring. No, it's not. I no, it's not. Absolutely. Um, I think within my, my rights to question anything that comes from the, uh, from the desk of Rudy Giuliani. Um, and so I don't know is the answer. Do you ever wish you'd had Apple Care? Yeah, that would have been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other thing I want to ask about yeah, because yeah, it's the yeah, end they, of the they, book. They, they, it's suck fest. It's unreal. Unbelievable. The guy is an awful person, and uh, many members of his family are awful people. That's just the way it is. It's just kind of a racket all around. It really is. It's kind of a racket all around. This is kind of a cool thing. I, I heard this yesterday. I think it might have been on uh, Sean Hannity's radio show, and this person is named Kathy Barnett. She's a uh, an African-American, and she's running for Senate in the state of Pennsylvania. And I just really, really enjoyed hearing from her. Uh, in the last election, more African-Americans voted for Donald Trump than any Republican in recent memory. Um, and there was a major switch. There was a, there was a thing called uh, hashtag, um, it was about leaving the Democrat Party. Walk away, walk away. Had a half a million people on there who walked away from the Democrat Party. Facebook blew up the page took away every memory of that. Many of those people are African-Americans walking away from the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party treats African-Americans, uh, they infantilize them, they use them for their votes, and the day after the election, they leave money on the dresser and leave. They never fulfill any promises, campaign promises, ever, ever, ever. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Here is a little bit of, of her announcement video that I think is absolutely wonderful. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. The white man that sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue believes he has the power to take away my blackness because I'm a conservative. But I will keep on. I will never let the words of another define me or determine my value. You can try to demean me or call me names for what I believe, but Joe Biden, after the November election in 2022, you can call me something else, Senator. Come on. Because this determined <laughs> black conservative woman is going to become the next United States Senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. 
I'm Kathy Barnett, and I will not be bullied into silence. As Americans, we are blessed to live in the greatest country this world has ever known. And only in America can a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm, raised yeah. in a home with no insulation, yep. no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side, overcome every obstacle and shatter every glass ceiling intended to hold her back. Joe Biden might not think I'm black enough because I won't just shut up and do as I'm told. And DC might not be ready for me. Oh, I think we but are. I've never <laughs> been more ready for this fight. I hope you would join me on this journey. She is amazing. In the interview that she is going to be a star. Provided the election isn't stolen, because it is Pennsylvania after all. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. But wow, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Eric Bowling. He's a contributor to uh, Newsmax now, and he was on a uh, BBC show, and he was uh, sitting next to, or I should say, split screen with Aisha Mills, who is a race baiter and who is um, has a massive chip on her shoulder. She says, I think it's pretty rich for anyone, especially a white man, to run around pretending to care about the economic position of black communities and black businesses, is what she said, and essentially called him a racist. Here is the part where he walked off the set. And everything that these voting laws stand for and what they look like. Okay, she's talking about the uh, the Georgia election law. By the way, she has a very spatial apartment with very expensive fixtures behind her. Are reminiscent to the Jim Crow policies that my family's lived under. This every. But you never did, you see. Single thing about it. So this is all. About Why do you have such a massive chip on your shoulder? About racial discrimination. And how dare you try to act never. like you are somehow a proponent of black people and businesses um, just to make a. A point and to try to create a wedge it's ignorant and it's just disrespectful this is this is so sickening and i hear this all the time and the other day i was on linkedin i had somebody on linkedin she's a, a race baiter and she does these seminars where she makes white people feel terrible about themselves and pretends like every uh, african-american is a victim which is actually very very insulting to most people but this this whole uh, movement and and calling people racist and this uh this revisionist history crap that's being taught in school is nonsense. When I was in my 20s, 30 years ago, right out of college, I said it on the radio. I, I said, sooner or later, the call of racism is going to ring hollow. And it's gotten worse. And it really is. Uh, it's just time for this stuff to end. Critical race theory is a joke. People are finally rejecting it in school board meetings. Here is Eric Bowling reacting to just basically being called a racist who can't say anything about black businesses at all or supporting them because of the color of his skin, which is incredibly racist. That's disgusting. I'm done. Put me off. That's disgusting. I am, I am, I am nowhere near anything you're painting me to be. And the problem with American politics is exactly that. Because I'm white, you think I'm racist? That's BS. Okay. I'm done. Will, will you just I'm stay? Done. Eric, will you just stay for this question? I was called a white supremacist. I was called a racist by this race-baiting person who, who does seminars. And I, I said, listen, I grew up poor. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I never, ever looked at the color of anyone's skin. I've always had friends who were different colors and ethnicities. My kids have always been friends with every sort of ethnicity. My son's friends, I call them the, the United Nations. And it doesn't matter. And this is just a way to cover up bad Democrat politics. She's throwing out Jim Crow, which is the ultimate, ultimate insult to those who went through Jim Crow, but it's inflammatory, and that's what they like to use. Question. 
So the question we've got, Aisha, is, stay for one question, Eric. Let, let me put this I, to you. I'm, because I'm absolutely, I don't know why I'm staying here. I don't well, know why. If, let me I need put an to apology. You, let, let me I need put an to apology. The, the, the question oh, that, I'm not. I'm, that I'm, Mitch I'm, I'm McConnell not was saying. For being no, you're not going to apologize because you don't have to because you, you consider yourself to be part of a, a protected class of individuals. And so you're not going to apologize even though you're wrong. Uh, Aisha, okay. Let, bye. See you later. So Eric was on American Agenda yesterday on Newsmax, and here is what he had to say. It was it was horrible. This was last night, yeah. and I was simply pointing out, and then using facts. I wasn't opining whatsoever. I was pointing out that the $100 million in revenue that the city of Atlanta was going to lose to the city yeah. of Denver, Atlanta having 50% population African-American, which means by, by default, by definition, many minority Business owners were going to be hurt by that move. Big and that 8,000 hotel rooms were going to have to be that were booked are going to have to be canceled. And uh, the uh, Aisha, I believe she's a, a, a professor at Harvard, of course, started throwing the race card around at me and then and, and then saying, I. I, I, I have no right to have an opinion about this because I'm white, a white male. I sat through her, her opinions and what she had to say respectfully. And then for her to do that, I was simply standing up for my own rights. I, I'm, I'm not racist. I don't have to prove I'm not racist. I was simply talking about the facts and she was calling me racist simply because I was a white male. I think that's relevant as well. And we shouldn't have to defend ourselves against charge of racism where there is no racism. I'm so tired of this nonsense. It was gross. I, I don't think anyone watching would want to teach their children to not stand up when someone accuses someone of something so egregious without... I love the fact that he did that. Because it has gotten so bad that people who are part of this leftist agenda. I'm not saying all black people, certainly not. But there is a, a group of radical leftists uh, who are angry at history and want to use racism and Jim Crow and all of this stuff to their advantage to cover up the failings of Democrat policies. That's really what this is all about. And it's depend a lot of things on history when you weren't a part of it. All right, that's really all it, it is. And it is... Uh, I think it's really wearing thin. I think it's really, really wearing thin. This is a pretty good piece from uh, American Greatness. Julie Kelly wrote this about the uh, insurgency at the uh, Capitol on January the 6th. Now, from the get-go, I said, this was being inflated. This was being conflated. This was being made into something that is not. It is being made into uh, the Reichstag. That is what it is. It, that's why it blew up so gigantic. Democrats were calling it, uh, for instance, they were calling it uh, Pearl Harbor, the new Pearl Harbor, uh, Oklahoma City bombing. The hyperbolic rhetoric is as divisive as it is totally untrue, not to mention a disgrace to the memory of the people murdered in those attacks. But no one cares. That's Julie's writing. Same thing can be said with Jim Crow and a, a voting bill uh, to to ensure your vote is yours in Georgia. They've calling that Jim Crow. So it's the same modus operandi. And it's wearing very thin, okay? The Russiagate scandal, for lack of a better term, revealed to the general public the seamless compact between the Democrat Party, major news organizations, and powerful government agencies. Partisan operatives, be they ruthless DNC lawyers, paid spendmasters, or former British spies, easily accessed the country's influential decision makers to seed storylines targeting their political foes. Later, when the facts came out that Russiagate was fake... Uh, and the bad actors both behind the scenes and in front of the cameras were revealed as shameless frauds. No one was held accountable. This is just brilliant. The manufactured deception about the events of January the 6th quickly is approaching Russiagate levels. 
The formula is similar. Find a catchy phrase. In this case, it's insurrection instead of, uh, instead of collusion. Then fertilize the information ecosystem with the term and watch it grow like a weed. Get political leaders, including former presidents and top lawmakers to, of both parties, to use the description, giving it an immediate legitimacy. Issue dire warnings about the threat to democracy and the rule of law. Identify the villain as Donald Trump. And there you go. Several people died in the insurgent which was basically a, uh, a protest and some leftist agitators got out in front of it and knocked some windows out. Two men suffered heart attacks. One woman died of an overdose. Officer Brian Sicknick's death is still pending. They're not saying it. But originally, the New York Times said that he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. That was a, an untruth. An untruth. And, of course, one woman was killed by a Capitol Police officer who's not being held accountable, even though she was unarmed, climbing through a window, and he shot her at point-blank range. Unbelievable. It's impossible to count the, how many impressions of five people killed pollute government documents, news websites, social media, and the brains of tens of millions of Americans. The line is a permanent chapter in the folklore of January the 6th, and it's untrue, just like the notion the protest was an armed insurrection. It was not armed, and it wasn't an insurrection. And, by the way, people involved are not guilty of sedition. They are overcharging people. In some ways, the crusade to criminalize January 6th is far worse than Russiagate. Regular Americans exercising their First Amendment rights are being treated as political prisoners. This is real. Held hostage by their own government, denied due process, hyperpartisan Biden appointees in charge of the most potent government tools are aiming those weapons at the right as a whole, threatening to create no-fly lists and warning Americans half of their countrymen are wannabe domestic terrorists. And they've walled off the Capitol, and they had up to 25,000 troops in Washington, D.C. to show that there was some sort of an insurrection when there wasn't. And those people are still there. Do you know why they're not there now? Is because the people who did this are afraid of us. Of us. Now, Greg Kelly talked to uh, Tom Fitton and Dick Morris about the death of Officer Sicknick. And uh, here's what, uh, here's what uh, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch had to say about it. Uh, Tom, this seems to be totally bizarre that we don't know how this uh, hero cop died. What, do you, uh, what can you do about it? What are you doing about it? Well, we've asked the Office of Medical Examiner here in the Washington, D.C. Uh, for documents about the autopsy, the autopsy, the report, uh, any communications he had uh, with others, especially politicians, about this uh, uh, sick, uh, Officer Sicknick's death. We've been getting stonewalled. They refuse to turn over any records to it. It's a cover-up, people. So we've sued. You know, and frankly, Washington is more corrupt than any Tom Clancy novel. Given the report, could imagine. I think it was just yesterday that the uh, D.C. medical examiner issued uh, about the others who died that day that used inflammatory political language. Uh, it was concerning uh, that uh, this this medical examiner uh, was inserting politics into his death determination, talking about the civil insurrection on January sixth. 2021. Wow. I doubt there's any similar language in prior reports. Uh, so I'm worried that the investigation of Officer Sicknick's death is as much about politics as about finding out what really happened. That's really bad when the medical examiner injects politics into the autopsy. 
It doesn't get lower than that. Here are Dick Morris's thoughts. Nancy Pelosi wanted to blow this January 5th thing out of all proportion. Instead of calling it a demonstration that became a riot and went violent, uh, she called it an insurrection, a revolution, kind of the only unarmed revolution in history, almost like a coup d'etat attempt. Yep. And she did that so that she could lay the basis for an impeachment of President Trump on his way out of office. And so that she could justify a whole range of other measures. It's like the Reichstag fire. Yes. When Hitler was chancellor, he needed to get full power and they yes. weren't giving it to him. So he had the Reichstag burned down. And then he said, that's a revolution. We have to take office. Give me full power. And the parliament did. Reichstag did. And that's what she's trying to do here, to yes. use this thing as being a lethal threat to the country. And when she found there are a lot of really evil people in Washington, D.C., they're really evil people to falsely claim that people are insurrectionists and attempt to charge them with sedition is evil. Sicknick died. Wow, that is the justification she needed. A cop was killed. And when it turned out... That's evil, too. Most likely that he was not killed by a rioter. His family thinks he had a stroke uh, and a reaction to the pepper spray. Uh, they haven't even told his family. Uh, which probably came oh from the cops. God. Evil. Uh, it, it, really, uh, it, it really messed up her story and her narrative. Here's Greg Kelly again with Tom Fitton. Uh, just a brilliant guy uh, with Judicial Watch. Are they legally compelled, um, Tom, to provide this information? Is there a... Are autopsies, by definition, public at some point? Uh, we think the public interest demands their release. Uh, and there are other records about uh, the handling of this death investigation that would also be subject to disclosure. You know, did, did, did the Office of Medical Examiner talk to people on the Hill? Uh, were politicians calling to figure out what was going on or pressing him? I mean, today's, you know, I, I keep on going back to this language, the Office of Medical Examiner issued yesterday yep. in detailing the other deaths, uh, the only homicide which of which uh, the only homicide death, at least now we know about, is the uh, uh, death of that poor woman who was shot. Ashley Babbitt, say her name. Uh, uh, by the Capitol Hill police officer. And we have zero details on that. Mm -hmm. You know, what's really troubling about this wow. is it could be as bad as Nancy Pelosi thinks it is. But isn't it interesting? We have no basic information about the riot from the Capitol Hill police. We've asked for basic information from the federal government. Gates were lowered and doors were opened for them. This is the most significant historical event in recent history, we're told. It led to the impeachment of a president. Yet core information about who did what and who injured who and who may have been killed, we can't get information from uh, the government about. It's, it's a cover-up. Outrageous. Uh, this is, is extraordinary. I've never seen anything like this in my work at Judicial Watch. Something so important, yet so little information about it publicly being made available. Guys, this is uh, epic corruption like we've never seen before in our history. The founding fathers had less of a grievance against a government than we do right now. This makes dumping tea into a harbor look like child's play. Unbelievable. But you know what? You got to hear it right here on the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Grant, 
Sorry, there's my microphone. Grant Stinchfield actually uh, interviewed a guy who's running for mayor in, uh, well, no, he has actually the mayor of North Las Vegas. And he left the Democrat Party because there was a essentially kind of a coup for the Democrat Party. They were taken over by radical socialists. And he said enough is enough. And he became a Republican. His name is John Lee. And here is part of the interview. North Las Vegas mayor and Democrat turned Republican John Lee is with us. Mayor, welcome to the program, and congratulations on seeing the light, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much, Grant. I saw the light a long time ago. I was just too busy to stop and figure out that it was destroying America as fast as it happened since Biden became president. Well, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I live in Texas. Uh, we call them blue dog Democrats. They're really more like Republicans now than, than anything else, and it takes a little while to make this move. But what was the straw that puts you over the head that says, you know what, I'm putting an R next to my name, not a D anymore. I think it was that event. I didn't pay much attention to the Democratic Party. I've always considered myself more of a Nevadan. And what was good for Nevada, that was the side I was going to be on. There you go. But then I realized the party that I was in had turned complete socialist, and they were going to destroy everything that I'd ever learned from my parents. I taught my children the value system, the traditions, everything is now being swept away um, there is no doubt that if this goes on much longer, they will ruin this nation, starting with Nevada, it looked like. This was the first We aren't going to let that happen, are we? Time this had happened in the United States, and it's probably going to try to go to L50 states. I'd like to see it stop here in Nevada. All right, here's a little bit more from uh, Grant Stinchfield of Newsmax and John Lee, North Vegas, mayor. Shouting down, canceling, all of these other uninclusive things. I take it those led into your, your decision. Well, yeah, you know, when you try to shame people to death, when you try to uh, get people to just hide for cover just because you have a bigger voice and a louder voice. It, th that Black Black Lives Matter and Antifa approaching people dining at restaurants and screaming at them. doesn't make it America at all. That makes it almost socialism right there. And to see this happening now. I've had about enough. How about you guys? Actually. Um, is more than I think the silent majority should put up with anymore. We need to pull together. What's the key word there? Oh, yeah. Majority. As a silent majority, join each other, find leaders that will fight these people and stand behind them. Amen. So it's, I think the new Republican Party, that's what I'll call it, the new Republican Party is attracting a lot of conservative Democrats like me, a lot of independents who can see that we need to get back and make a difference in this country. Hashtag walk away deleted from Facebook, half a million profiles. And I hope that a lot... Half a million stories. ...of Republicans will now also start to take a bigger role in their party to protect their country. See, the amazing thing is you've got great networks like Newsmax that aren't towing the party line like in North Korea. So we do still have a fighting chance. Chris Salcedo, absolutely awesome guy, host of the Chris Salcedo Show on Newsmax, talked to Senator Ted Cruz about gun control. Okay. Uh, you've got far more experience than Biden does on the issues of guns. If Grassley Cruz had been debated in past, we could actually be targeting criminals rather than law-abiding citizens. Democrats seem to be targeting us, the law-abiding citizens. Don't their targets reveal what their real proposals are meant to do? Chris, you're, you're exactly right, and, and, and you put your finger on the distinction between the left and right. If the objective is to stop violent crime and stop gun crime in particular, there is an approach that works, and the approach that works 
is targeting the bad guys, is going after criminals, going after... Like in Chicago and Philadelphia and Los Angeles and Gary, Indiana and East St. Louis. ...and fugitives and those with serious mental illnesses that try to illegally buy guns. And, and for nine years in the Senate, I have been leading the fight to go after the bad guys, to take the violent criminals and come down on them like a ton of bricks to stop these mass murders that we've seen across the country. Unfortunately, every time we have a shooting, every time we have a mass murder, the Democrats don't want to focus on the bad guys. They don't want to focus on the criminals. Nope. They don't want to actually stop the violence with the policies that work. Yep. Instead, their approach is always go after the constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens. They're That's true, 100%. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Let's move on to some other stuff. I've got a couple more stories I want to share with you, and I've also got an interview that I'm going to do right now with Steve Dace. Now, Steve Dace is with The Blaze, and he's written a brilliant, incredible book about the COVID lie. Uh, Is COVID real? Uh, Yes. Has it been overplayed and blown up and made into something that it really was not, did the country have to shut down? Did the world have to shut down? No. His research is unbelievable. He joins me on the phone. Why did you do this, Steve? For me, it really started uh, after I read the Imperial College survey yes. report that they released publicly uh, on March uh, 16th last year. And that was that was the doomsday report that shut the country down, that our government went by, our White House went by. Um, Boris Johnson over in the UK was going to actually go with a Sweden approach originally until that model came out. And then he changed his mind and he's lost his damn mind on COVID ever since. And um, several people in conservative media who are are friends of mine, people whose opinions I respect and still do, uh, were on their social media accounts urging me, urging people like me, hey, you need to read this if you think this is overboard. So I read it. And the first time I read through it, my heart really sank. You know, I'm sitting in my man cave in my basement. I got three teenagers upstairs. Yeah. And you start thinking about what's the future for them and, you know, what's happening here. Is, is this a Walking Dead episode? And, you know, I don't claim to regularly hear the audible voice of God, uh, but uh, a little still small voice in the back of my head said, you need to Google Imperial College and global warming. Yeah. So I Googled Imperial College and Global Warming, warming, and a name came up. Uh, the name is Jeremy Grantham. He is one of the university's biggest benefactors. There's an entire wing at the university named after him. He's a multi-billionaire. He's, I think it's over 70 or over 80 percent of his wealth. He has donated for um, defeating what he calls the 250-year bubble uh, caused by fossil fuels. Uh, he is a radical, and I mean radical environmentalist. Uh, I also saw that shortly after they released this model, uh, another branch of the university came out with its own paper as a corollary to this saying, and now that the virus is here, we can now, and we have to shut down, this is the perfect time to go ahead and impose Mm -hmm. these environmental changes we've long advocated that need to be done. In other words, it's time for a reset. And that is when the spidey sense began to tingle. And I went back and read through their model again, and it's you know it, it it openly says it doesn't know how the virus is spread. Okay, well then um, why are we going by your calculations of how the virus is um, spread? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and 
uh, and, and a lot of it's assumptions. You know, I think people, when they do models, think that they are, they've got to be mathematicians. And the math is the algorithm that spits out the model. The, the assumptions are the philosophy that are the premise of what the model is looking for. And assumptions come from humans. All right, what are the assumptions built in? And the assumptions philosophically in the model just don't add up. The, 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 the premises are, are in, invalid. Uh, the, applica- the conclusions are not congruent with the assertions. And it was like scales kind of came off my eyes. Yep. And that's really what set me on the road that I've been on for the better part of the last year. Uh, I said 2020 was 2020 because it was 2020. 2020 became the worst year in history in America and around the world because it was 2020. Uh, you had mentioned, and I'd heard you talk about, the time between February 28th of last year to March 11th. Why don't you talk about how the narrative about COVID hmm. changed? Well, I mean, it even goes back earlier than that, but February 28th is a key date, Rob, because on that date last year, uh, Anthony Fauci authored a piece, co-authored a piece, in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine that is maybe the most esteemed medical journal in our country, among them in the entire world. And it was, a, it, was an, it was an analysis that, by the way, that piece is still up. I mean, you can go and read it. The, in our book, Fauci and Bargain, there are more footnotes than pages. We bring receipts. All right. And so you can, you'll, if you get the book, you'll see at the, at the bottom there is the footnote where you can go and read this analysis from Dr. Fauci yourself. And in this, in this analysis for the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, he is uh, projecting what he thinks will be the fatality ratios for SARS-2. That's really what this is. You had SARS-1 in the early 2000s. This is really SARS-2, COVID-19. And in that analysis, he, he compares it to a, uh, a bad seasonal or a, even a pandemic level of flu. Well, at the time you and I are, are taping this, uh, which what's today, April 8th, yes. 2021. So uh, what we, I, as of today, the current case fatality rate, meaning the number of deaths divided by the number of cases, mm-hmm. the current case fatality rate for COVID-19 in America is 1.8%, yes. meaning only 1.8% of people who, get, who are, are confirmed with a COVID diagnosis die. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infection fatality rate uh, is 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 dramatically lower because there's at least 10 times, according to CDC, um, there's at least 10 times more infections that we just haven't identified. That's why you see when these antibody studies come out, like in Los Angeles, you get 50% antibody rates because of all these people that contracted it, never got tested or didn't know that they had it. And so if 10 times more people have actually had the virus, then we have confirmed cases, then the infection fatality rate or the IFR, which is Really, from a public policy standpoint, that's we're not dealing with individual patients. We're looking at policy for you know a broad general consensus. So the IFR is more important in terms of the lethality of a, of a outbreak. Well, it would only be zero point one eight percent. Wow, which is uh, the flu is zero point one. Yeah. In other words, a pandemic level flu, um, serious, very serious, far more serious than an average flu but not anything worthy of shutting the world down for. Yeah. And, and, and Anthony Fauci just pegged it. He nailed it. He's not dumb. I mean, he, he nailed this way back on February 28th. It was about a week later. He goes on 60 Minutes on March 8th and says, uh, masks, you know, don't work. No need for Americans to be wearing masks. And this was on the heels of what he said in January when he said that 
Uh, respiratory virus outbreaks are not driven by are never driven by asymptomatic spread carriers, yep. and neither will this one be. And the data has shown he was right about that too. Okay, and then all of a sudden we fast forward to March 11th, and on March 11th is when he gave his ill-fated testimony to Congress. This was going to be 10 times worse than the flu. It's Captain Trips. He goes full Denethor, Lord of the Rings, run for your lives. Um, and that night, the NBA shut down. College basketball did. Concerts, tours shut down that night. By the end of the week, the country was shut down. And what we don't know an answer to, and this is a theme that we actually repeat several times in Fauci and Bargain, because we think it's a key question we need to get an answer to for the future. What changed? What new piece yeah. of information yeah. What, what new data did Anthony Fauci acquire that caused him to go from being a soothing voice in the months of January, February, and even into early March to then suddenly pushing America's panic button? Because his original modest warnings about this virus, take modest precautions, be modestly aware. If you're sick, stay home, wash your hands. If you think you're running a temp, you think you have symptoms, get tested. Those sorts of things have all proven to be true. So then why out of complete nowhere did he hit a panic button in front of the Congress on March 11th? I don't know the answer to that, but it's an answer that we need to get. This is important. For the next two things I'm going to say, not that I thought everything else I said was unimportant, yes. but the next two things I'm going to say are vitally important your audience understands. Okay? Yes. Number one, there is no study that shows masks work. They will present to you dozens of studies, but here's the problem. None of them have a control group. There was one study done of masks with control groups, and it was in Denmark, and it showed they don't stop the, the spread of the virus. So, all the, so here's why that's important. If, if, if I study 1,000 people on wearing masks, and they all do the same behavior, because what I want to do is I want to prove masks work. So I put 1,000 people in a, in a group to study, uh, and none of them get COVID. I come back and say masks work. I studied these 1,000 people. None of them got COVID. Here's the problem. I need another 1,000 people that I didn't give a mask to, a control group, a placebo effect, in order to see what happens with them. Otherwise, I didn't do a study. I did propaganda. And yes. that's what every single one of these studies are. That's number one. Yes. Number two, though, beyond the studies, there is no real-time data anywhere on planet Earth that shows masks do anything whatsoever Meaning you can have all the studies you want. We can now just look at, we've got a year of data of people wearing masks. Do they work? No, they don't work. Now, now I, I can't sit here and tell you, in every individual setting, you know, you go see, the, the nursing home lets you in to see grandma for the first time in a year, and they want you to wear a mask. I'm not here to tell you that's a terrible idea, because yeah. the nursing homes have been a Petri dish for this. And even if it gives you point zero 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 three percent of a protection from grandma in that environment, it's my damn grandma. I'm probably going to go ahead and take that risk, yep. okay? I can do everything I can for grams. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the corporate freedom to breathe air that you have as a human being, okay? Um, mandates, wear them everywhere you go, all right? No data on earth shows that they work. That's why you, a cloth mask doesn't stop you. This thing is not primarily spread by droplets. That's where the social distancing came from. Yeah. It is primarily spread aerosol. It's airborne. That's why the masks don't work. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's because, because it's the same reason you don't wear a mask in, during the Los Angeles fires every year. It's why you don't wear a mask when you work <laughs> on a construction crew and you're going into an old home that has asbestos and lead paint. If, you, if, 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 the, if the boss of your crew told an OSHA rep 
yeah, I'm protecting all my employees with a cloth mask from China, they'd all get fined and fired. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's not, it doesn't protect you against an aerosol. There's no data in the world that shows this. Norway, for example, studied this intently because they were a lockdown country. And what they found is to stop one infection, they'd have to forcibly mask 200,000 people. It's just not feasible. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Masks don't work steve this is uh this is an epic work i cannot wait to get it and i am thrilled that you uh you wrote it and uh you're just buttoned up and, and you and you get it and and your voice is so important right now and i hope we get to that 9-11 style tribunal and we can look back on this as the biggest scam in the history of the world and it costs not only trillions and trillions of dollars but human lives and and we can never let this happen mm-hmm. again and i've said this from mm-hmm. the beginning we can never let this happen again Amen. All right, brother. Nice to talk to you. Looking forward to getting the book, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. God bless. All right, now, Steve Dace has written this book. It is called Faucian Bargain. I ordered a copy of it myself. Normally, when you, you know, you're on the radio and you get get a a book, you know, you interview an author, and I don't do many of them because I don't just like to hawk books. But I ordered the book. Uh, they normally send you freebos. I ordered the book. Yeah, I'm getting it tomorrow. I can't wait. Guys, I have done so much research on this. And I said last March, this was a play. This was nonsense. Utter, utter nonsense to shut down the economy, to shut down the world. And the reason why it happened was because it was 2020. That's it. That's all. Masks are a joke. Masks are stupid. I've said that from the beginning. Listen, these are some of the articles that I've gathered. Stanford University Medical School professor has said COVID-19 lockdowns, the biggest public health mistake ever made. CDC exposed inflated COVID deaths by 1,600% through the election and violated multiple laws. The biggest COVID-19 vaccine skeptics are frontline care workers. Self-harm claims in children have gone up 330% and overdoses up 120% 13 to 18-year-olds. Massive number of flu cases relabeled as COVID cases. Flu is unusually low this year. 165 flu hospitalizations this last this last flu sheet season, the year before COVID, 740,000. It's being misdiagnosed. Everybody's got COVID. People are put, having COVID put on their death certificates when they die in car accidents. It's a giant scam, and it happened because it was 2020. There you go. And I can't wait to get the book. Faucian bargain. Awesome. Okay, a couple more stories before I go. These are actually COVID-related, but, uh, you know, kind of interesting. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced that the state could fully reopen and residents could remove their masks. Now, he's getting, uh, uh, you know, medals for this, but he actually, he put them in place as well. Christy Nome didn't do that in uh, South Dakota, and uh, Governor DeSantis didn't do that in Florida. But, you know, he, he got rid of them, and uh, Joe Biden called it Neanderthal thinking. Since the March 10th owner, uh, order, I should say, COVID has been on the wane in the Lone Star State. And NBC are flummoxed. They're flummoxed that states that have lower restrictions have lower COVID rates. Here's a little bit from their uh, their morning show. Call it a COVID conundrum. In states with the strictest measures in the country, like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and much of New England, cases are on the rise. While in the South, states like Arkansas and Texas that have reopened businesses and ripped away mask mandates are seeing their numbers drop. You know why? Because there's a perverse financial incentive to say that people have COVID, to diagnose COVID, and to put COVID on a death certificate. States get big money, and Democrat states aren't afraid to make everybody who dies die of COVID. 
Well, I'm announcing today that uh, the statewide mask mandate will be lifted. People and businesses don't need the state. These are governors who don't care about the money. Telling them how to operate. So what might explain the apparent contradiction? One theory, differences in testing rates. No. Alabama has experienced one of the biggest dips in reported infections more than 50% in two weeks. Mm -hmm. But it's also dead last in the U.S. for COVID testing. Only 56 tests per 100,000 people. I have a friend who went into CVS because she had some flu-like symptoms and they immediately said, oh yeah, you've got COVID. She did the test and it was negative. That's a fraction of what you'll find in places like Vermont, Massachusetts, and New York where numbers are surging. How much does lack of adequate testing have to do? It's not lack of adequate testing. With the numbers that we're seeing right now. Because the numbers are dropping. When you don't test, you're blind. They were higher. And, and when you're not testing, you're, you have a false sense of what the real problem is in your community. Another theory, COVID fatigue. In Michigan, where people are just coming out of lockdown for the first time in months, cases are up more than 100% as demographics shift. What's different in this wave is these are younger individuals between the ages of 30 and 60, the vast majority of which are not. By the way, this is a doctor wearing one of those Chinese uh, uh, masks that are worthless. Not currently vaccinated. Texas, on the other hand, began reopening its doors months ago and just jammed 40,000 people into the Rangers ballpark. Many Man, I hope the funeral homes are all stocked up because I'm sure 40,000 of those people are probably going to die. Without masks. No, they won't. A lot of individuals in the southern part of the U.S., and especially here in Texas, have already been exposed to the coronavirus. So many individuals already have coronavirus antibodies. Oh, wait a minute. I think we're talking about uh, herd immunity. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a shakedown. It's been a put on in the words of the who. It really has, guys. It really has. I've done a lot of research on this. And, and when it originally happened, I had a job that I had to go to uh, every day uh, through the COVID scare last March when nobody knew. When people were being sent hold for coughing, and, and, and I, I immediately discovered it's wrong, it's not happening. My daughter was kept out of her uh, second half of her freshman year of high school and uh, did uh, hybrid learning the first half of her sophomore year. And 2,600 people in the school, that is uh, uh, teachers, faculty, staff, nobody died of COVID. Now, if indeed this is the black death, the black plague that is killing uh, thousands and hundreds and thousands and all of this, why are there no dumpsters full of bodies outside of Home Depot, Lowe's, Target, uh, Walmart, right? Your grocery store. Uh, teachers are using this at teachers' unions to keep teachers at home in their pajamas or going on vacation rather than teaching children. And it's a scam. It's a shakedown. It's a put-on. And it's hurting an entire generation of children. Okay, I'm done up hiding. Check out my show on Rumble, okay, if you'd like to know more. And then, of course, uh, you can just watch me on Newsmax, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's on tomorrow night, Saturday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, and then on Sunday, 2 o'clock Eastern in the afternoon. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World? And finally, uh, this is a new levels of stupid. A New Hampshire high school track coach was fired after staunchly, staunchly refusing to make his athletes wear masks during competition. So he's like coaching cross-country and whatnot, and they are saying that he has the, the kids have to wear masks. You can't do that when you're doing cardiovascular exercise. I just think people haven't pushed back, and I decided it was time to push back. 
Brad Keyes was fired this week as the track and field coach at Pembroke Academy in Pembroke, New Hampshire, and he has been outspoken about it online. Love it. I made my choice, he made his. Keyes says he was not going to force his athletes to wear masks while competing. Masks restrict breathing. <laughs> There's no question about it, especially think about running full speed. The wind is in your face. It's shoving the mask back into your nose and your mouth. He's one of my favorite people to run with. Junior David Tesserman agrees with his former coach and is concerned about running with a mask on this spring. It gets you really tired, especially on, uh, you know, it's going to get up to 80 degrees soon, um, and it's going to be really hard for us to, to keep doing what we like to do. The New Hampshire Interscholastic Athletic Association's outdoor track guidelines recommend that athletes wear a face covering during competition. So they'll be separated by a lane, which is about six feet. Key says uh. the masks are okay while the team is on the bus, but he does not think they're necessary outdoors. So stupid. You wear a mask yourself. Can you believe this generation of kids having to go through this nonsense? This fear, this irrational fear. Can you believe this nonsense? Uh, I wear a mask where I have to. Oh. I'll wear a mask when I go into stores or any any private business that wants me to. I, based on what I read, honestly, I don't believe they do much good. We reached out to the superintendent's office about Keyes' firing, but they did not get back to us. I hope he sues their butts off. <laughs> and by the way, um, in case you didn't know, and you may know by the way I talk, that if you approach me about either not wearing a mask or not wearing a mask properly, you're going to get an earful, and I'm going to make you look like a fool. Like there's a guy at the grocery store the other day. He was still doing something. He had gone through the line. He would paid for everything, and I moved my cart a little closer to him. And he goes, you, you have just violated my six-foot space. And, you, and I said, sir, you are an idiot. If you think me being five feet away from you will, it will kill you and six feet away will save your life, you are a fool. And his, uh, his uh, friend who was with him uh, just rolled his eyes and, you know. So apparently this is, this is quite common. If a business asks you to wear a mask, just wear the mask. You know, if that makes them feel better about themselves and it's their property, fine. But wearing a mask outside to walk the dog... Uh, wearing a mask outside of a business, wearing a mask outside anywhere, uh, you know you you know what you can do with your mask. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for the show this week, guys. Um, I really appreciate you joining me. This this podcast, the Newsmax Daily, is growing by leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds, and uh, I think part of it is that even though I'm in my early 50s, I'm a uh, fresh voice to talk radio because I really didn't jump into talk radio until a few years ago. And second of all, how about we just be entertainers and also opine everybody's got an opinion okay doesn't mean you should have a show <laughs> so i've worked very hard to be an entertainer and write comedy and and make this a little bit fun as well so i want to thank you for joining me guys make sure to uh, share this podcast with your friends and family it's getting huge it's getting gigantic and of course watch newsmax download the app on your phone do it right away check out newsmaxtv.com for listings remember rob carson's what in the world you are going to laugh. Former President Donald Trump saw the show and he said, that guy is really good. He's really funny. And I like his take on things. One of the biggest compliments I ever got in my life. God bless you guys. Have a glorious weekend. And I will see you again next week. Right here. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.